This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. I've said it in time past and I'm really not talking to Church of the Living Water members because we always have our Bibles when teaching. But those that are streaming, don't ever sit and listen to a word without having your Bible so that you can always see exactly what God is saying. So you won't have to say that, you know, that this is what you thought you heard. You would read it for yourself. Always be like the Bereans. Go back and check it out. Make sure. Then have a relationship with God so that... When you go back, God can explain some things to you. And when we finish with the message, God is not finished with you. We have a lot of time up here, but God is all, God is always God. He'll always, while you're riding home or after you get through or you start washing dishes or you start cooking, God will still begin to minister to you if you would just yield. Amen? Now, if you will, go to First John chapter 3. And uh, we're going to continue on the teaching that we've been teaching on. Uh, this will be our second teaching. God made a turn. And we're now trying to find out if we really do have a working relationship with God. We have to have a working relationship with God. It's important that you have a working relationship with God. Just saying, I know God, and just doing what you want to do is not a working relationship with God. Important, important, important that I have a working relationship with God. Amen? And then we're gonna, we want to make sure proof of, I understand that. And so I believe in my heart that God led me this way because he said, okay, we're going to give them another open book test. Because you all need to understand and you need to know with assurity that I have a working relationship with God. I don't want you to just think that you do and you may not be. So God was giving us last week some of the different ways and things that we need to do to make sure that we know that we have a working relationship with God. And I'm sure that some of the things that you heard made you stop and think. Because this is an introspection that you have to do within yourself. You have to do it. You don't have to try to check it with your spouse. And you have to do within yourself. And I can always tell when God is dealing with you. You get quite, kind of quiet about the uh, about what the word is what the word is going forth. I'm, and I'm telling you, you love the fact that you're streaming because you think you think that you know nobody can see, nobody really knows, but God does. The one that really matters, He knows and He sees. Amen. And so, if you're in First. Uh, John chapter 3, let's rest there. But the first thing we need to know is how do we approach God? We need to have a way to approach God. How do I draw near to Him? And what is the pathway that leads to Him? His Word always gives you a pathway that leads you straight to Him. The Holy One that lives on the inside of you will lead you straight to Him. And then we wanted to find out what does it mean to have a working relationship with him. And how do we enter into that relationship? And how do we make use of that relationship? You have to make use of this relationship. Not just say you have it, but you have to make use of it. 
So let's establish some things, first of all, that we established last week. We first of all need to establish that God is my Father. God is my Father. We must know how to have a working relationship with our Father. We need to understand that God is my source. And we must have a working relationship with God as your source. We must understand and have a working relationship and understand that God is my provider. And I must understand how to get those things that he's made provisions for me. We must know. I need to know how do I get the provision. If he's my provider, how do I get the provision? Because, you know, we could say it all day long and have nothing. Have, I'm talking about spiritually, naturally, and in many different ways. But if he's my provider, how, how in this relationship do I get that provision? So, establishing one thing. Something that I said before and I'll say again. Since the sin of Adam, men, in, since the sin of Adam in the garden, man have not had a working relationship with God. The whole time until Jesus came. And we need to know that if we're ever going to have a working relationship with God, it is going to be through Jesus Christ. After the sin of Adam, that was not a working relationship. But now, you have Jesus Christ. You should have a working relationship with him. And we looked earlier last week in the book of John 15, and we see Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. And, and you have to abide in me, and I have to abide in you. And he said, and when I do that, you will bear much fruit. So if you're going to have this working relationship with God through Jesus, we're going to have to abide or live and remain and continue in Jesus. That's the foremost. If I'm going to have a working relationship, I have to have one. I have to abide Live in and remain. See, you, got, you can't leave one out. You have to remain. And as you remain, you have to continue in Jesus. And we have to allow him to live and remain and continue in us. And one of the goals of this ministry, always in our teaching, is that you will know him. You will know him. See, God has an intimate knowledge of you, but do you have an intimate knowledge of him? Ask yourself. God has an intimate knowledge of who you are, but do you have an intimate knowledge of who he is? Ask yourself. We're doing introspection. You've got to ask yourself all of these questions. And so I'm asking the simple question. The question simply is, do you really have a working relationship with God? And you can make it personal. Do I have a working relationship with my Father, with God? And, you know, there's a lot of people, they get down on their knees at night or their, you know, or, or however, and they pray to God and they lift their hands and, you know, whether they're on their knees praying or they're lifting their hands up in the air toward the heaven and praying, you know, it, it, it's something, it doesn't matter whether you do all of that, all of the visible things and all of the, the postures that you have. The main thing is to believe. You can even believe that he exists, but at the bottom end of it all, bottom line is, after I do all this, do I really have a relationship with him? 
Because sometimes we think because we make different postures, I surely have a relationship with him. If I get on my knees, if I lay it down prostrate, if I holler out, if I scream, if I walk around, if I do I have to have a relationship with him. Not necessarily. So you cannot pinpoint that you have a working relationship with God just because of posture or things that you do. Amen? And I told you in time past, and I'll tell you again, let me tell you, it, it, pertaining to this, banks exist. And you can go to any bank and you can t- ask them, do they have money? And they'll tell you yes. And they'll, I mean, uh, they'll say, we have vaults, we have money, we have people here, you have that. You can go to that bank and say, I want to come in and I want to see. But if you don't have a working relationship with that bank, you get no information. You get nothing. Where the same as it is with the things of God. If you don't have a working relationship, you might know what he can do. You might have read what he can do. You might read everything in the Bible that talks about him. But if you don't have a working relationship with him, you don't have access to get anything from him. So just knowing the knowledge of it is not, is, that doesn't mean that you are having a working relationship with him. I'm telling you, you cannot in the natural go into any place, even though you might know what they have. None of that without having a working relationship. Let me tell you, if you don't have any information or any account at Chase Bank, you can't go there and get anything. And if you come to the door and you stay too long, they're going to call the police. Because why? You're in a place you shouldn't have access to because you, I don't, we don't have a relationship. We don't have nothing recorded that you even have a, an account here. So now, what am I thinking? Naturally, the bank is thinking. You're hanging around. You're trying to be a thief and a robber. You're trying to get in without having a relationship. So it is with God's people. They try to enter into different areas of the things of God without having a relationship with God. And the Bible even tells you itself, you're not going to come in as a thief and a robber. Amen? And this morning God wants many of us to hear what he's saying. When he said, if he had made it a point to bring up that a lot of you don't have a working relationship with me, we need to take heed. Don't take for granted, well, he's not talking to me. You might be the main one he's talking to. Are you with me? So we want to make good proof that we have a working relationship with God. And it can be found in 1 John chapter 3. Let's begin at verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committed sin or practiced sin transgresseth also the law, for, the, for sin is the transgression of the law. 
And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And he that practiseth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God has mani- was manifested, that he might destroy the work of the devil. Now we see two things right here, if, if you just look at it, that Jesus came for. To take away our sins and to destroy the works of the devil. He said he's come to take our sins away and destroy the work of the devil. Verse 9. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot practice sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. If this, you'll see, this is how you'll know the children of the God, of God, and the children of the devil. This is how you know. He just told you. Anybody practicing sin is of the devil. Are you with me? Whosoever doeth not righteousness, here it is, is not, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And we got to not take that last little part lightly. And he that loveth not his brother. He's trying to let us know right then, listen, there's a lot of things that you have to understand about having a working relationship with me. Are you with me? So my intention this morning is that we do some introspection, some self-examination, and no one in here, because we're very good at this, no diagnosing yourself, let the Word of God diagnose you. So let's do some examining in the spiritual. And the great physician is here, and he's going to help you with the diagnosis. And I want to encourage you because I want you this time to pass the test. To look at it and make the rain. Before 2022, it's time to pass the test. There's no sense of being in school over and over again, year after year, and never passing the test. Amen? Now, when we do an examination, you may, you may find in the examination, oh, I was wrong there. Ooh, that was wrong. And it's okay, because now you got an open book test that's coming your way so that you can correct it, so that you can pass. So don't get frustrated when you be like, oh God, everything I miss. It doesn't matter. Now is the time, right now. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it like, okay, I'm just, just, okay, let's just get to it. I've heard all this before. Okay, you are the one that needs to settle down and listen. Intently. Amen. The purpose is I want us to know when you have a working relationship with God based on the knowledge, of based, not based on feelings, not based on emotions, but on proof because I can understand the Word of God. I don't want you to base it on. A lot of people base their walk with God on emotions. The more emotional they are, they think that's 
they're spiritual. I don't want you basing it on that because emotions change. Amen. I mean, you hear a good argument, a good path, where your emotions will get high. But what, what about, you can hear that same argument at a funeral and your emotions get low. So it, I don't want you to base it on that. I want to base it on proof of the Word of God. Amen. I want us, I, my goal is that this ministry... As a people of God, that we will know the will of God. And I told you that God has a will, not a million wills. He just has one will. And the same will he has for me, he has for you. The same will he has for you, he has for me. Amen. That's why it's called a testament. It is a will. And God only has one. Now, here's the thing. You can't make up a will. Did you hear me? The person who is the author makes the will. Because after a person dies that make a will, you can't go to the attorney and tell the attorney, this is what I thought their will for my life was. It won't work in no court of law. And neither will it in the court of heaven. This is what, I, you, you're not going to be able to go before God and, and say, this is what I thought your will was for me. I did this because I thought it was your will. Because most of the time, the things that most believers believe that they thought God's will was, it's based on something they're going through or something they believe. And because, what is it, conspiracy theorists, they're big on that. Just something they believe. But it won't work when you get to heaven. I thought. He's going to say, no, you shouldn't have thought any of that because I already had put it in the will. Oh, if only God's people can really get that. Amen. He already has the will. You need to know whether or not there are you in the will. That's the thing because the will is done. And you're not going to change it. You're not going to change it by your long words and all you thought and what you think and what you thought. None of that. Was, the will is done. Amen. I want to teach us the importance of knowing that we have a working relationship with God. But there must be proof of a working relationship with God. Did you hear me? There must be proof. And so we talked about last week that one of the ways that you can prove that you have a working relationship with God is you must purify yourself. Purify yourself. I like what verse 3 says. Now we, it says, and every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. He didn't say God will purify you. He said you purify yourself. Amen. You know, there's a different, there, I'm just, I'm going to just use me for example. There was a difference in my life. Between Because everybody want to go on, you know, we know what John 10, verse 9 and 10 says. But I'm going to tell you personally, in, in my life, when I confessed Jesus as Lord of my life, didn't much change in my heart. Didn't much change in my heart. But when I got hope and I got taught, 
that's when things start changing. See, a lot of times people think that that's why you see people, they do that and they go back and do everything. Because the, the change has to come after you sit up under the Word and it builds hope in you. And you be like, oh Lord, I want to change because it's giving me hope. Because then I begin to learn. Because when you first get born again, you don't know all these things. All you know is God saved me. God saved me. Then you start finding out all about the promises and what He said. And you be like, oh my God, I got, you know, I got all. He's just. Find out what he says about your loved ones that has gone on before you. You'll be like, oh, God, I'm going to get to see them again. Then that's when I began to grow and develop, when I got the hope. And this, said, and this, and, and this signifies it. It says in verse 3, And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself. Because this hope has given me something to say, you know what, I want to live right. I want to live a good life. I want to live a life. I want to purify. It causes you to want to purify yourself. It causes you to want to be around people that are holy. It causes you to love even the unlovely. It causes you, even in your frustrating times, in times that you're angry, it pricks you at the heart because you're purifying yourself. Amen? And, and when I say purified, it simply means to cleanse. Amen? So... One of um, the proofs to know that we have a working relationship with God is that you cleanse yourself. Now, he did a work when he, did, when he made you born again, but you have to continue to wash me every day like, oh, Father, I got this, this got to go. Amen? And then I told you three things to purify in yourself. The first thing, thing is abstain. Abstinence. And we said what that word means in every language. Stop. It means it in every language. And it needs to, we just need to stop some of the things that we're doing. Just stop it. Don't say that you can't. You can. You need to just stop it. It means that I'm going to stop doing the things that don't glorify God. Did you hear me? I'm just going to stop. And, in, in, and again, I don't have to go through a list. You already know what they are. If you really have a working relationship with God, that means that He has spoken to my heart. God will always speak to your heart. And when He's spoken to my heart, it's about something I need to stop. So I'd stop it. Like, oh, I need to stop that. You know, it just. And again, everybody's looking for sinful things. It may not be something sinful, it might be just something about what you're doing that's not glorifying God. And he just said, you know what, you need to stop that. Because I have people watching you. And I, I just don't need you in that. It doesn't have anything to do with sin. Then it almost, then sometimes it does have everything to do with sin. That's why you have to have a working relationship so you can know the difference. Just say, no, I just don't like doing that anymore. Because God has pulled me away from that. And some people will think, call you holier than thou. Oh, well, you don't want to do that no more. Why? No, it's not sin. It's not sin. It's not, and it might be okay for you. I'm talking, God deals with everybody according to different callings on your life, different things that are going on, and where you are as an individual. Some things you can't handle that somebody else can. You see, because I don't want you to think he's dealing with you because he has a different will for you. No, some people are stronger than others. And God said, but now you can't handle that. So I'm going to need you to walk away. I'm going to need you to stop. 
why don't they? They why do they get to still do it? I want to. Well, because that has nothing to do with you. Why they can still do it? Just as long as God is dealing with you about it, you move away. You just say, well, that's that. That's not why. Why you don't have to explain what God tells you to do to anyone. Just do it. Amen. And then we said. Also, that um, one of the uh, ways that we can also see is that we have to wash. We need to wash our hearts, our minds, and with anything that's separating us from the Father. Wash. Wash it. Abstain. Then wash it. Say, you know what? This is not a good thinking. You know, this, this thinking, mm-mm, this is stinking thinking. And I need to wash. I need to take that thought and I need to make it pay. I need to bring it into captivity and make it pay up under the Word of God. I know what the Word says. And most of the time, you know what the Word says about those thought patterns. Because I'm telling you, all of us, I mean all of us, are glad that our thoughts are not allowed. Because we can sit down in this very place or where the word is going forth with all the wrong thoughts. God is telling you, wash it. You can look at somebody, you start thinking about all kind of crazy thoughts. Wash it. Are you with me? And then we said you must sacrifice, give up the lesser for the greater. And here's the thing that, that, that most people don't understand and don't get. Everybody wants the lesser and the greater at the same time, and you can't have it that way. You know, you, you just can't. You're going to have one or the other. They're, you're not going to do the both. You're not going to do the both. You can't have a whore and a virtuous woman. You can't have the two. You're going to have the lesser or the greater. Choose ye. But you can't have them both. You're not ever going to have the lesser and the greater at the same time. You're going to have one or the other. That's good to write down. So when you think, when you, when you have the lesser and you think you're winning it because you really think it's the greater, no, it's one or the other. You never have the two at the same time. The lesser or the greater. You've got to give up one. Amen. And that's some things in all of our lives that God is saying you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice. Did you hear me? You're going to have to sacrifice. When we hold on to something, it tends to make it, we tend to make it valuable. It is not necessarily valuable. And you know what? Have you noticed the longer you have something, the more value you put on it? It doesn't necessarily mean it's that valuable. But, and God said, I told you to get rid of that a long time ago. Oh, but this is me. Oh, oh this is what I like. And oh, this. You, you, you're trying to convince God. Don't, don't try to convince God of what he's trying to get you to let go of. Don't try to convince him how good it is for you when he sees that it's ruining you. Amen. And so... Let, you know, you have, you have to, just because you've been holding on to it for a long time, be willing to let go. Don't ever be that stubborn with God. Well, I know he ain't talking about that. Mm-mm. The longer you have it, the harder it is to throw it away. Let it go. This is the time. Let it go. You're getting too old for that. You're getting too old for that. And, 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 and bottom line, it's not really worth anything. It's just been around a long time. Are you with me? 
And some of us, we have some things that have gained value. Not again, we they in our minds they gain value and they're not worth it. They're not worth the trouble. It's not worth the trouble. Anything that have that's been around that long and got you off of the promises of God, off of God, off of even listening to God. Guess what? There's no room for the greater. Because you got it all the space taken up with all of the wrong thing. All of the thing that you think is valuable. It's all taken up that space. Why? Because you're still holding on to it. And the greater, like this word that's going forth, that the word that went forth this morning, that the word, the word that have been going forth for a year and a half, there's no place for it. There's no space for it. That's why you can say it's good, but you cannot actually walk in it because why? The lecture got all the space. And God said, get rid of it so you can have the greater. Sacrifice it. So you know what? I'm sacrificing this. I don't care how long I've been with it. Look at what the word says in verse 6. It says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. When I have a working relationship with God, I know why God sent Jesus. I know why God sent Jesus. See, I have to be living and remaining in Him to know that. When you're near to God and you're entered into a relationship with Him, when you're benefiting from the relationship, when I'm living, remaining, and continuing in Him, I do not practice sin. Did you hear me? I do not practice sin. Oh, Jesus sent, God sent Jesus to take away our sins and to destroy the works of the devil. And He also sent Him to seek and save the lost. I said two things, but actually three things. Because don't dare leave out seeking, saving the lost. That's Everything else, let me tell you, God gave you a natural body and gave you health to get. Don't tell me about God gave you a house, the car, and all that, all that stuff. The stuff that God said, I'm the one to give you health to get wealth. But I didn't come here to give you wealth. I came here for three specific things. And what are they? Number one. Take away our sins. Number two, destroy the works of the devil. Number three, seek and save the lost. Period. And when you write period by that, put P-E-R-I-O-D-T-T-T-T-T-T-T. Period. That's all he came for. Anybody that takes it further than that, then take note. Because that's not why he came. That's not why he came. God came so you could have a car. God came so that you can have the... Listen, God came for three reasons. And let me tell you, you wouldn't be wrong to straighten somebody out in that matter. You probably would help them. Amen? And God did... God, well, I thank God I knew one day I was going to get a visa... God did it. Won't he do it? For, uh, to give you an obligation. <sighs> he sent his son 
God sent Jesus to take away our sins, destroy the work of the devil, and to seek and save his lost. Period. Whenever someone is teaching that God sent Jesus for stuff, watch out. Just watch. That's all I'm going to tell you. And then you do what you want to. So, God sent Jesus so we can stop practicing sin. So that the works of the devils could be destroyed. To reconcile us back to himself. That's it right there. Sin is the transgression of the law. In other words, sin is when I break the laws of God. We talked about that. God has some laws. And when I break the laws of God, it is sin. When I break the law of nature, it is sin. Are you with me? When I break the law of man, see, all the, the law, and I, I have to stay down the nature because of the society we live in. When we break the law of nature, let me tell you that God is the one who made the law of nature. Anything outside of that, you're breaking it. So when you do things that are unnatural, Listen closely. Don't get mad. Don't get embarrassed. Don't get frustrated because it's just simply sin. And this is your freedom walk right now. When you break the law and do things that are unnatural, when even the world, the biology, um, even biology will tell, will show you that it what's what that is unnatural. It even tells you the intention of what everything is done for and how it fits. And when you try to do something contrary to that, it is sin. When I break the law, you have to tell yourself, when you want to go that way, and I'm talking to those that want to do the unnatural thing, because I'm telling you, you can be plagued with that thing. When you see that, say, no, I'm not going to break the law of nature, because once I do, I have sinned. When I break the law of men, I have sinned. Because the law of men is designed to keep us in the laws of God. Everything is. So we have to keep on ourselves and say, nope, I'm not doing the unnatural thing. I don't care. Get your eyes off. Stay focused on the things of God. And when I say the laws of men, you know, I'm talking about the civil laws, the criminal laws. They're all designed to really keep us in the law of God. That's why we have a system. You know, is it fair or not? That's neither here nor there. <laughs> because anything man get a hold of, he's going to mess it up. But it, it still don't deter you from the fact that it's the law of God. Amen? You just understand the law of God. So when I break the man's law, I'm also in sin. Another way to understand if I'm working, have a working relationship with God, is that his seed remains in me. Anything that's born of God begins with the seed. So when I was born again, it begins with the seed. And that seed of the word, which is the word, must remain in me. And so what I have to make sure of is that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of every and all kind of other things don't come in and choke that word out of me. See, that means I don't hang with people that got the word choked out of them. Because those, let me, it's so true in the word that 
basically saying the same birds of the same feather flock together, basically saying that, you know, corrupt communication falls good manners, same difference. You start hanging around with it. Don't act like you're not going to change. I have seen girls that was fine start hanging out with girls that had babies on their hips. Now they do. You're going to do those things. Hang out with girls that lies and, you know, laying up and doing all that. And you start doing the same thing. All what happened was, and you may even have come out of a Christian home. But guess what? Corrupt communication falls good manners. I don't care what kind of home you come out of. I don't care what kind of... Anytime you pull yourself in any situation, you're going to... Either you're going to influence or be influenced. And it's just that simple. That's why around this church, for me, just for me, this is just for me, it's not for everybody. I don't even like to see young girls always running back there to all the babies. Because, because they're immature, for one thing. Playing with them is one thing and getting old. But if I see you with them always on your hip, then I know your mind is running silly. Put that baby down. And, uh, you know how you say, put him down, step back, and walk away. Uh, that's what I be wanting to say. Put that baby down. You know, oh, I didn't look Because you're thinking it's a get. Let me tell you, a child is not a toy. <laughs> It's not a doll, and the little time you have, yes, fun with them. But get one yourself. And because you're that immature, put that baby, play with them, da-da-da, and keep it moving. Don't like your babysitting too much. I'm talking about when you start getting these teenage years, 16, 17, you know, and you're just sitting in the right, and you start thinking this, this is fun and games. Now, that's just me personally. I'll always tell you when it's me personally. I can't find no scripture for that. You can do that, but I know young minds. And you can see it all in their eyes. I've even seen people that have, that maybe plan on getting married or want to get married, and they look at another married, young married couple with children, and they be looking like, oh, I can't wait to have a baby. <laughs> I'll be thinking about them. No, not right now. No. But see, young. And it's like, oh, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be so cute. It's going to be so cute. Oh. See, those are some, that's, see, I'm not ashamed to tell you. That's some of the things that I've talked to Raya and, and Elise about. I don't want you getting caught up in nothing. You don't have to. You don't, just be you. Just, just be who you are. I'm telling you, some people right today that have babies hanging off their hips and this, that, and other. And there's nothing wrong with it. You're married, you got children. It is what it is. I ain't even talking to you. I'm ministering to somebody else. But let me tell you, they look at you and think that they say, wow, you got it made. That's what they're thinking. They'll never tell you that. But they're thinking, oh, my God, you got it made. Even some of those that are married with no children, but got married too soon. Let me tell you, one thing that you should always know, and you don't have to rush, I don't care how, what age you are, there'll always be marrying. 
<laughs> on this side and giving into marriage. You, I, I don't care if you're 52. Somebody marry you. So marriage is, uh, listen, marriage is a lot of work. I know. All young people just think it's, uh, uh. Me and my husband was married 43 years. And it wasn't up until our 20th and year to things just start getting solid. It's work. And you have to be mature. Now, if you're battling with stuff already in your head, you're already, you're already stressed out. Just be calm. And not to say anything because I, 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 I meant to say at the beginning, congratulations to Samuel and Ebony. They're having their second one. This pandemic is something else. If you get through it without a baby, you, you're doing good. Married people. But uh, we congratulate you, Samuel and Ebony, on the little boy, the little girl. Um, and I think your last baby was born in March. And this one is born in March. Ooh-wee. You're going to have like twins. But that's going to be, that's going to be, hey, you fit for it. But everybody's, everybody's different. Everybody's different. Amen. And I don't even know how I got off on that, so let me, let me go on. But, but everybody's different. And don't, don't look at nobody and think everything is hunky-dory and everything because you're not behind closed doors with them, okay? And we move on from that. Amen. And so we don't practice sin. That's one of the proofs that we are having a working relationship with God. Amen. But we are human. We are human, all of us. We are human. And sometimes we can act up in that flesh. But this is the thing that, that makes the difference. And especially for those of you that are married. Let's just give an example on that end. Now, if you're married and your wife says something nice or your husband says something nice or let me just say spouse, because it can go either way. And then they say something nice and you jump off the, the deep end on them and stuff like that. You have sin, but you don't practice sin unless you do it all the time. If every time they open their mouth, you snapping them down and you putting them down. And they, now you're practicing sin. But if every now and then something come up, you inadvertently went off. Something should go off on the inside of you like, oh, you know, I'm wrong for that. You know why? Because all of a sudden God becomes to start separating from you. And something don't feel right on something. No, I need to go and apologize. This ain't right. No, I don't feel good about this. That's God. That is a, God separating himself from sin. And then when you come and make it right, you feel good in everything. Because then your relationship with God is restored. But now practicing sin is totally gone. Every time, I mean, they, I mean, they just have a low self-esteem about themselves. Because you're always putting them down. Or you're always smarting off. Or you always got something to say. And you always have the last word. No. That is called practicing sin. Amen. You don't have to always respond back. But most times, and a lot of times, spouses do. Amen. Now... Then, I told you, practicing sin takes planning. Inadvertently, sin don't. Something that might just happen. But practicing sin, it takes planning. And when you plan to sin, 
just understand, now you got a revelation. Whenever I'm planning to sin, I'm already practicing it. You're already practicing it. Why? Because it takes thought. It takes some planning. You have to work some things out to make it work. You have to call some people. You got to text some people. You got to do all those things. You have to do a PM on Facebook and do all that. You're doing all kinds of little things. That's practicing sin. You're already in it. Listen, when you're practicing sin, this is how you know. You may feel guilty, but you don't feel condemned. See, that's the difference. You might feel guilty, but you don't really feel condemned. Because condemnation will make you change. Condemnation be like, no, nah, I can't do that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You could be on your way and condemnation say, no, don't, no, no. You be like, uh-uh, you know what, I'm calling this off. But if you just feel guilty, you go all the way and feel guilty before and after. Are you with me? But condemnation, you will change. Why? Because God's seed is in you. And it remains. It remains. Don't let practicing sin choke that word out of you. And that choke that seed out of you where it won't remain. Amen. Because that's when the trouble's going to begin. Are you with me? And then we have to know, understand and know that I have a working relationship with God when I clearly know that I'm his child. That, that means that people look at your conduct and say, oh yeah, they're a Christian. They're a believer. They are a child of God. I can tell, I can tell the way they act, the way they talk, the way they do it. I've seen them in pressure and I've seen how they handled it. And then another way that we know that we have a working relationship with God is that I'm righteous. I'm near Him. And, and I, like, I like what verse 7 said. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. That's how I know I'm righteous. I am righteous. And I'm receiving benefits of that relationship when I'm close to him and I'm righteous, you receive benefits. Righteousness, by definition, means I'm in right standing with God. Are you in right standing with God? Righteousness also means that I'm being where God wants me to be. Now, run over to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. This is after the creation of Adam and Eve. They were in the garden. And Eve is approached by the devil to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God had forbidden them to eat, not to eat of. And she, said, she looked at it. She said it looked good. And she desired it. She saw it. And she was going to make her, you know, she saw that it was going to make her wise for one thing. If I eat this, it's going to make me wise. And she gave it also to her husband, and he did eat. The husband was weak. The husband was weak. There's nothing worse than a weak husband. In the body of Christ, there should be no weak husbands. And let me tell you how you can, how people will find out you're a weak husband if you if you're continuing trying to convince people that you're not. 
leadership in the home, you don't even have to say it's going to show. But if you're weak, you're being led. Did you hear me? I'm going to tell you husbands right now, the devil can't get in if your wife, even if he deceives your wife, if you're strong. Because you'll bring her back where she needs to be. But if you weak, he's going to slip right in and he's going to wreck havoc. He won't do it right away. He'll wait. Those of you that are planning to get married or wanting to be married one day, men that want to be married one day, you need to go in strong. You better go in laying the groundwork that you're going to be the leader of that home. And guess what? If she don't like it, she is going to give you trouble, most of you all's relationship. I said it here first. If you don't show your strength. But you know what? Most women love strong men. They might not like you putting them in their place, but they love really strong men. They can respect that. They can respect that. And guess what? And they grow caution. They go caution when they do certain things because they like, oh, I better not do that because he's got to. Because why? I know he's strong. Some be like, I'm going to do whatever I want to. I'm going to do it anyway. And he ain't going to do nothing about it because I can convince him. No, 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 no. Not in the Christian home. And that's those that I'm going to buy something and throw it in the back of the closet because I don't want him to know. No, 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 no. Because you, you're too weak because you, 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 you're not understanding Know everything. You're the, you're the man of the house. Men in this ministry, you were the... Let me tell you, you, your founding pastor was the man of his house. And any sin that went on with my sons, it was outside of our house. But he was the man of his house. And I knew my boundaries. Now, I don't know what you thought or what you, and you could think whatever you want to think, but you didn't live in my house. But my husband was a man, a strong man, and he, and I knew just how far to go and knew when to stop. And guess what? That's why I could follow him. That's why I'm here today, because I could follow a strong man. But I'm telling you, in years to come, a woman won't ever follow a weak man. I don't want to stay there either. I want to move forward. Because I haven't even got into the new information. Amen? But anyway, after they ate, and they put, made leaves and covered themselves. Now look at verse, verse 8. It says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord of God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and he said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. just want to show you this. Listen, when we don't have God... And you don't have a working relationship with God. That's the first thing you're going to do is hide yourself. And some of you are hiding yourself behind the streaming. But you're never hidden from God. Some of you hide yourself behind emails, text. But you can never hide from God. And when God said, where are you? He wasn't talking about a geographical location. 
He already knew where he was. And that's what God is saying this morning. Where are you? Where are you? Because God knows every thought and he knows every plan. He knows plans your wife don't know about, your husband don't know. He knows all that's in your head. He knows what's going on behind the scenes that nobody knows. And so you're trying to hide. And he's saying, where are you? You can never hide from God. Where can you hide from him? And he's not. That's what. And the reason why you want to, and a lot of you, you like the streaming, and you don't really want to come back in in person, because when you come back in person, you're going to hear it like you're hearing now, but because you're hiding behind the streaming, and you're like, oh, I'm acting like this is what I really, no, it's called, I don't want to be exposed. And I get it, but God don't. God said, no, you're going to be exposed whether you stream or whether you're in person. Because God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. And that's the only one that matters. Are you with me? And God God only exposes when you're not right. Whenever you're not right, you're going to be exposed. And whenever you get exposed, you're going to try to hide. Whenever you try to hide, it's because you're afraid. And whenever you're afraid, it's because the fact that something is going to put you on blast. And you don't want to hear it. So you hide. Since you've been a Christian, have you ever remembered a time where you went hiding? And the reason why you went Hiding is because in some message, God asks you, where are you? He might not have asked you in those three words, but he asked you with a message. And it says, where are you? And you went into hiding. I ain't going this morning. That's hiding. You know you're not where you're supposed to be. God just exposed you right now. I will tell you to really be afraid. Be afraid. When you're in a working relationship with God, you don't have to hide. Ever. There's some of you that, you know, you're not praying because you're hiding. And you won't pray because you're afraid God is going to ask you, where are you? You coming to me, where are you? So you said, I'd rather hide. Why aren't you all in prayer on Saturday morning? It's called hiding. Why aren't you where you're supposed to be? It's called hiding. I'm telling you, this pandemic has spoiled you. You act like you're hated, but you don't. Because if you can go everywhere, but that Sunday that we came here to church, you couldn't. That tells, that tells me everything you need to know. You can go everywhere you want and do anything else. But you couldn't walk in here because the pandemic, because the deal, which we had safeguarded everything. But but you go everywhere else because you're hiding. But guess what? We're coming back sooner than you think. And whether you hide or ride off, we'll let you go. But just know you can't ever hide from God. Amen. 
So you know, you need to know, you need to be, be afraid to come into church. God will expose, because that's what He'll do. Amen? You, want, you don't want the answer. You don't want God to ask the question, and you don't want the answer. And some of you this morning, you're just hiding. This, this in Genesis have already exposed you. You're hiding and God is saying, nope, where are you? You're trying to make excuses. Some of you are making excuses why you don't want to come back to the church, period. You're just hiding. But that's on you as well. Amen. And so to know also I must have a righteous character. Character is how you regard it. Character is how we, we're regarded by God, how we're regarded by others, and how we regard ourselves. How do you regard yourself? What do you think of yourself? I'm not talking about the perception people have of you, because people, make, people give you a perception of themselves. But God knows the real you. First John, First John 3 and 7 said that he that does righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. In other words, righteous character is like God's character. Do you have that? But see, this, here's the thing. God knows your real character, not, not the perception you give to people. We're very good at that. A perceived character, No. Now, the perception that you give people, it may or may not be real. In other words, the people, the, the people in here, they might perceive you one way and you're another way. Some might perceive you as no good and you're probably good. Some might perceive you as good and you're probably not that good. But it's perceived. But God doesn't perceive. God knows. But this is what you have to understand. You have to have your character like God's. And when things come up, see, that's when people perceive you one way and then something comes up and they see a whole new you. And they be like, oh my God, I didn't know they were like that. See, that was a perceived character that you gave them. But something came up. Whatever, listen, whatever conduct that you show a person, you got to make sure it don't go stale. You got to keep it fresh. Because when it goes stale, let me tell you, that's when you start acting up. See, if you're going to be righteous, then you need to make sure you stay right. Keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Don't let it go stale. Because it's going to change people's perception of you. And then you have to ask yourself, was that really you? Or was it a mere perception? You can't let it go, uh, go, go stale. Not at all. Some people have been in church 10, 20, 25 years. And listen, and, but it's been a long time since you've grown. See, I'm not impressed about how long you've been in church. I want to know how much you've grown. And, and let me tell you, and I don't want you to, st- see, a lot of people want to talk how much they've grown. No, I want to see. See, if you've grown, you don't have to do much talking. But if you're constantly trying to convince me that you've been a good wife, or you've been a good husband, and you need to, you, 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 you know what, you protect too much. You don't have to do all of that. Your conduct will be seen. And something someone want to follow. 
And they'll no longer assume that you're righteous. They'll know. But when adversity rides in the church and something happens, and here comes your nasty out, they'll be like, oh, wow, she was so sweet. He was so kind. And that thing came up. Oh, my God, I didn't even know they could talk like that. I didn't even know they could be, you know, say what they said. Now they perceive that what they perceived of you wasn't the reality. This is. Amen? Again, you need to make sure, you want to make sure, if it's a bad, bad action that you have, you want it, that action to get old. Let it go away. Let it go away. But if it's good, you better keep it fresh. That means when crisis come up, you still better have it fresh. You still better be the same across the board. Then it's also how you perceive yourself. That can be a deception. The Bible says the ways of the man always think that he's right in his own eyes. Nobody wakes up and say, I'm a dummy. You think everything you said is just excellent and just, you know, powerful and everything. But everybody don't see it that way. But how do you see yourself? Now, listen. Righteous character is when God thinks about me and others thinks about me and how I see myself. All of it lines up with the Word. How people think of me, how God sees me, and how I see myself. All of it must line up with the Word. It cannot be on your, what you think it should be. It has to line up with the word. That's called righteous character. Everything must line up. Now, if you are right with people, but wrong with God, and wrong with yourself, right with yourself, right with people, but wrong with God, you're all wrong. Because it's not based on the word of God. But it's not only righteous character, but a righteous works. And I know a lot of people think what they do in church Listen, righteousness work, righteous works is not church works. Righteous work is how I work in the church. There's a difference. I'll say it again. Righteousness, righteous work is not church work. Righteous work is how I work in the church. It's not I work in children's church. I usher. I do that. That's, that, that's nothing. Some of you need to leave some ministries of help because you, 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 you're not doing righteous works there. If you haven't made it better, you're a hindrance. Are you with me? If you're working in the ministry of help and you're not, listen, if you're not submitted to leadership, you're a hindrance. If you're a murmurer and a complainer, if you're caught up in this world system and trying to bring it into the church, that's not righteous works. The Bible says that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Good works and righteous works have a benefit effect. Does it have a benefit effect what you've been doing? Ask yourself. Another way of seeing if you have a working relationship with God is that you bear righteous fruit. Not only righteous character, not only righteous work, but righteous fruit. 
listen, fruit flows from the heart. That's the fruit of your life. It is a result of the condition of your heart. That's where fruit comes from, the condition of your heart. So when you see people's fruit, you know the condition of their heart. You will know. And if I want to change the fruit, I have to change the source that's going in my heart. What's going in my heart. Righteous fruit remains. Always. It will live even beyond your life. Righteous fruit will. It will live beyond your life. Righteous fruit always glorifies God. It makes God clear and it makes God visible. Righteous fruit makes God clear and it makes God visible. Righteous fruit causes others to obtain eternal life. People see you and they want that eternal life. In other words, when I bear and obtain righteous fruit, that fruit remains. It stays, it bears, I, I bear it, 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 and it remains. In other words, I have done for somebody else, I have done some things and established some things, and it remained in my heart that somebody else can live in this. Because it remained, even, into de- even after death, it remains. It will live in people after you're gone. It will glorify God and cause others to know God. Righteous fruit. Ask yourself, how is my fruit? See, if you're a fruit of always a taker, you talk a good talk, but you're always only taking in. If you, ask yourself, what, what is my fruit? What have you done that's going to benefit somebody's life after you're gone? What will people say about you? You were always in trouble. You was always doing this and you was always doing that. That's not righteous fruit. Now note this. To have a working relationship with God, I must love my brother. Go back to 1 John 3. When I'm close to God and near to Him, when I have entered into a relationship with Him, I love my brother. Because my brother is the same brother because we have the same father. When I say I love my father and I don't love the siblings, the father is not pleased. Not in the natural or in the, and especially not in the, in the spiritual. You must. Now listen, this modern day language, you know, and, and he, you know, we get all crossed up in it. But he that doesn't love his brother, it says he lives in death. Look at verse, verse um, what, um, 10 to 14. In, 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 in first John, back in First John 3, are you there? Verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message... That ye heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was that wicked one, as that slew his brother, and wherefore slew, him, slew he him. Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. 
Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Listen, this is key. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Modern day English. He that doesn't love his brother lives in death. It didn't say he was going to die. It says he's walking around living in death. He that doesn't love his brother. It says that he lives in death. Look at verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And it's not saying that no murderer can get to heaven. That's not what it says. It's saying that there's a time, that the time that you're murdering someone, it doesn't have, none of that has life in it. You're murdering someone. With words. See, if we got to start thinking and seeing the way God sees, not the way society sees. Is that understood? Now go with me to Galatians. Go over to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Now, while you're going there, let me explain who your brother is. When I say the word brother, that's how the Bible uses it. Even though it's gender specific, it could be, let me tell you, just neutral specific. Brother, sister means the same thing. Amen? So this question was asked way back in Genesis. Who is your brother? You need to know who your brother is because a lot of times we really don't understand the depth of what Jesus was saying about loving your brothers. See, your brothers are those that believe like you. They're your brothers. They believe what you believe. They believe in the same God that you believe in. They serve the same Jesus that you believe in. That's your brother. They serve, they believe in the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of them. They believe that. Also, they believe that we all have a common struggle. That's why we can call each other brothers. We all, listen, we all have to fight the good fight of faith. Every one of us, every pastor, every minister, every lay person, we all have the same struggle. We have to contend with this flesh every day. Same thing. Every day. So that makes it that we're all in the brotherhood. And again, brother, you don't have to put sister in. It's the same thing. It's just like sons of God, male or female. We have that same struggle. In fact, the Bible says there's no temptation that has taken you but that which is common to everybody. So we as believers, we all have a common, common struggle to live right. We all have the same struggle to be holy. We all have the same struggle, just a common struggle. And it's because we live in this body. Nobody is exempt. Did you hear me? Nobody is exempt. We got to fight the good fight. When you're in this body, we have, we, you're not exempt. To please God, we are all struggling to be right every day. We all struggle to act right 
That's a common thing, especially when things come up. We struggle to be right. Common struggles of righteousness. So, so, it, so it, it, it's not amazing when you're like, oh, I'm really struggling. That. Everybody does. Everybody does. I mean, it, it, you know, people, they get me when they try to tell you something that's going on in, fam- in their family. Like, you're the, you're the only one that something's going on in their family. All of us got something going on. In one way or the other. We have Minister Rodriguez. He have a lot going on in his family. You got one little thing, you falling apart. We all have a common struggle. We all have something going on. My mother has, have, has had Alzheimer's for the last seven, eight years. I have something going on. So you ain't nothing big about what's going on in your family. Everybody got something. And but we all still got to push forward. We can't stop. We do what we can within our family, but we still push forward. My God, if everybody did what some people do, like everybody, everybody, let me tell you, this is called life. That's what it's called, in case you didn't know it. Now, if you, go, if you didn't know that little elementary thing, don't try to school me about anything else. It's called life. And you live long enough, all kind of things happen. But God has a word for you. Just hold on at the end that he gave me last night. So just hold on. So to please God, we all have a struggling that is you And you know why we all have a common struggle? Because we all have a common adversary. Everybody. What has God told us in time past? Never, ever forget you have an adversary. I don't care how much you love God. I don't care how much you're doing the will of God. He's on your case worse. Those that is, you don't take much, they're going to they do themselves. But you, i got to keep my eye on. We have a common adversary. And all his whole job is to get us away from the things of God. It, 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 never, it never ceased to amaze me how people forgot how their life was before they came to this church. And they think sometimes, and let me tell you, and I'm not trying to keep anybody here. You go wherever you want to go because that's nothing. Because we're going to be a church with you or without. Let me tell you, we've been, uh, I've seen people come and go a uh, many a time. No big deal. But you forget what you, you forget. And let me tell you, and that, the, the devil makes it long enough out so you can forget with, with how it started. And guess what? You'll be right back there with the same foolishness. Because now you know more than everybody. We'll see about that. So, we have to understand that we have to understand that the Word of God, and God loves all of us as children, that's what binds us together. That keeps us together. That makes us stay together. It binds us. I don't care what differences we have. You know what? I don't even, I don't even discuss my differences anything in the natural. I don't even want to hear it. 
If you email me something, you start going into all that natural stuff, I stop reading. I got that from my pastor. He never, a bunch of foolishness, uh-uh. Just, I only want to read the part that has to do with ministry. But when you start trying to tell me what you believe naturally about things, no. We don't, hey, hey, church and state don't mix here. Church and state don't mix. So don't bring it. Did you hear me? Don't bring it. When I have a working relationship with God, I don't end up like Cain, a hurtful person. Now that's the sad part. So many hurtful people in the body of Christ. I don't want to be a hurtful person. And I told you this in time past, and I'll tell you again, and I really write it, write it down because it's been some years since I've taught this, but write it down. Let me tell you, a hurtful person, hurtful means derelict, a fancy word that means you're neglecting people that you're supposed to be loving. We got derelict people in the body of Christ, just derelict, hurtful, just hurtful. Some of us this week have just made derelict decisions to be hurtful to our brothers. When I say brother, it's either brother or sister. Neutral gender. Now, God has spoken to this church's heart about things in the ministry. But some just want to be derelict. Not going to happen here. It's not going to happen here. And, and, and you, you, you'd rather help the sinner than help those in ministry. Just derelict. But God understands and he sees. And listen, listen to me. And I've said this and I, and I want to say it again. I love everybody in this ministry dearly. And I'll be there for everyone. And I don't, I don't care who they are. But don't ever think, by no stretch of the imagination, that you will ever make me feel any different about anyone in this ministry. Whether you write me a letter about them, whether you text me about them, whether you tell me about them, whether they missed it and you told me, whether they did, it's not going to change my love for them ever. Ever. I, it, it, it just won't. I do not, I do not play favorites at all. Now, you can look at it wherever way you want to, and that's your business. But I'm going to tell you, if anybody needs me at any time, they know how to get in touch with me, and I'll be there. But nothing anybody could say, listen to me. There's no one in this ministry close to me or so close to me that I would believe anything they would say about anybody in here and change my opinion of them. See, I know you don't understand that. Because, see, people have been in your ear about ministry or leadership, and it changed you. But that's not how I operate at all. 
And you need to know that as your pastor. It doesn't matter. Because many of people have put things in my ear about other people and everything. And you know what I do? I let it go one ear and out the other. And then I keep my eye on it. Not on what was told me. I keep my eye on the person that told me. See, there's a difference. There's a difference. Let me tell you. Don't think because I'm in my 60s and I do forget a lot of things. It's something about the anointing. It's something about the anointing that carries over that you be like, oh, I was shopping and doing something the other day and I said, and my foot was hurting. I said, Paul, why don't the anointing work when you're in the store? It just don't. Because God said, because what you do in there don't have nothing to do with me. He said, you told me to use me, use me, Father, use me for your work. This is not my work. you looking for a mirror. It's not my work. And I was like, oh, because let me tell you, right now, my foot is fine. It's something about the anointing. It's something about the anointing when you hear things. I may not ever say it, but I want you to know and know of a certainty. And some of you that have some little, feel some kind of way because I'm a woman, or some kind of way because the founding pastor's not here, I want you to know I'm sharp as ever because of the anointing. And you're never going to get anything past me because of the anointing. Not because of me. And, and, and you know what? And it's fine. If you don't ever want to be up under a woman, split. It's good. It, it, it's good for me and it's good for you. But just know, by no stretch of the imagination, don't you think that I don't know what I'm talking about. And that I don't have a relationship with God. Or I don't know how to hear from God. Just, just don't think that as you go. And you'll see it even more so in the future. And it doesn't matter, again, it doesn't matter what you think about me being a female. Take it up with God. You don't have to leave because I'm a woman. Take it up with God. Fuss with God about it. Because guess what? He's not going to make me a male. And I ain't down for that. So you have a problem and you, you just can't do it? I, I get it. But don't ever think it's because I lack anything. Because let me tell you, it's something about the anointing. It's something about the anointing. And I feel the increase of it daily. And I feel the increase. So just understand that. And, 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 but I, I definitely want you to understand the, the portion that I said it doesn't matter what you tell me. And, you know, and, and, and I'm not talking about people that have to tell me different things because I am the pastor that I need to know. That's fine, too. That still is not going to change me. But just trying to put stuff in my ear, that's not the way it works. It's, I'm not going to change. My pastor didn't. And I watched him for years. And I've learned from that. It's not going to change. But I know how people think. Because people have been in your ears about me, about the founding pastor, whatever. And you believed it. And so you think everybody's like that. And it changed you. It maybe even changed how you looked at me or whatever. It doesn't matter. But that's not how it works. And nobody's going to, and, and I don't sit nobody down because of what you said. As a matter of fact, you might be sitting down, but not them. 
That's the way I work. That's the way I'll always work. People don't like it. Oh, well, you'll be okay. Look, one of the ways I know I have a working relationship with God is I don't hate my brothers. To hate means I detest. To hate means I pursue with hatred. Oh, my God. When I hate my brother, I will murder them, slay them in more ways. There are so many more ways to murder someone than to take their lives physically. You can murder their character, their reputation. You can kill their spirit. You can discourage them. You can murder their courage. You can murder their courage. You can take their encouragement away. Listen, here's the thing about murder. Or to slay. I know this day and age, a young slave means it's looking good. But the slave means to violently kill someone. Violently kill some, someone. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that with anyone. I don't care. I don't even care if you met the person uh, uh, that's, that's not with your grandchildren, the mother, the father, whatever. You can't hate them either. You, you, you just can't. See, that's how you know you have a working relationship with God. Like, I really want to hate them, but I, you know what? It ain't even worth it. it ain't, I just can't hate them. I can't. They need you. God, God said, now that's when you're going to start representing me. When you're really behind it, you really don't like what's been done or, or what was said, but you can still love them and say, you know what? They need Jesus. You can't. So if, if anybody that have done something to you or anybody that's been out of the way, if you still have an issue with them, you don't have a working relationship with God. God said, let it go. And, and, and this is where, where, where we miss it. See, we think when you say don't have an issue with them, or don't, you, think, you think that you have to put up with them. God didn't say you have to do all that. God said, but you can't walk around hating. You, you, I mean, you, you, you gotta, you got to free yourself from that. Because you want all the benefits of God. And you don't want nothing holding it up because I'm walking around hating Getting sleepless nights, not caring about somebody because you're mad. How is it you can't sleep? If, you, if somebody has messed you up that bad, you can't sleep, let me tell you, you're not in a working relationship with God. Because I'm telling you, you're festering that stuff. Like, mm, you're tossing it. Mm, you're doing all of that and think you have a working relationship with God. We as a people have to learn to let it go. God had told us that in time past. Let it go. Let it go. Just say, you know what? It, none of that's worth it. None of it's worth it and I'm not going to do it. Amen. We have a working relationship with God. Is that I'm abiding in life and not in death. Listen. Love produces life. Did you hear me? Write that down. Love produces life. Where there is love, I mean, where there is no love, it produces death. 
Love produces life, no matter what the situation is. You can't hate the child's parent. Listen, love produces life. And there, where there is no love, there's death. Living in death. When you have, that, when you have a working relationship with God, you love your brother. All of your relationships start in this one thing, love. And this, let me tell you, when you start loving even the ones that have wronged you, let me tell you, seem like every relationship is going to change. And you'll be like, well, how did that, what does that have to do with that one? It changes because it's a flow. Because you're living and it's producing life. So all of the relationships that are dead, notice the relationships that you're in now. Just think on them. How many is dead? Something's a problem with it. And, it, and it, let me tell you, if it's more than two, you're not walking in love. Because when you walk in love, it's going to produce life in every other one. If you keep having relationships and they keep going bad, it's because you're walking in death. You're against the Word of God. Because God's Word produces life. Did you hear me? Understand this. There are a lot of things that you will not feel and you will not see when you don't have a working relationship with God. Did you hear me? See, look at things that you miss. You can't see. You can't do. See, we're trying to find out, do I have a working relationship with God? If it's producing death because you're not walking in love, let me tell you, I'm telling you, there are many things that you cannot feel or see when you don't have a working relationship with God. Stop blaming everybody else for all those dead relationships in your life. Especially if the common denominator is you. Especially if the common denominator is you. Don't. Just, just think of it. I, you don't have to talk to me about it. Just think on it. Now, I was up late last night talking to God. And, and God gave me this. And I, I'm going to minister it to you right quick. But we're also going to have it up on the, uh, well, on, 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 on the screen down here somewhere. But uh, I wanted to, when God gave it to me, I was writing it fast and I was, well, typing it fast with a bunch of typos, but typing it fast. But I wanted to give this word this morning. And I want you, if it's on the screen, I need you to write it down because I want you to keep I want you to pin it up in your bathroom on your mirror when you're getting dressed. Or wherever you frequent, if it's on your job, if it's at your desk, you need to put this here, there, so you can. God is moving. 
He's in our midst. Whether it's streaming or whether it's like it is right now. He's here. He's doing something. You must get this. God said, when life tries to starve you of peace, listen, when life tries to starve you of peace, the first thing you do is feed your soul. When life tries to starve you of peace, feed your soul. When the enemy tries to feed you a narrative that cancels your possibilities and your potentials or locks you into a place or a condition, you have to learn to rebuke it with authority. You're going to have to learn to rebuke it. That's why we cannot not walk in love. This is going to work. When we walk in the principles of God, this is going to work. When you do what exactly what he's telling you to do now, it works. When you're tempted to call temporal things permanent or see the future dimly, can't see it. He said, write the vision down and make it plain. Write it down and make it plain. There's times that the enemy will come and he'll, he'll, he'll make you think that, that this thing that's going on, this temporal thing is permanent. And you don't really even see a future in it. He said, at that point, write the vision down and make it plain. When you pray for a result, you prayer warriors, you that know how to pray. When you pray for a result, pray for wisdom and understanding. Well, wait for the process. He said, pray for wisdom and understanding for the process because promises comes with a process. So pray for wisdom and understanding, Father, that we can get through the process. See, we want to pray and we want something automatic, but God is saying, no, this is the process. You need to pray for wisdom and understanding to just go through the process. I just wanted to jump in. When your power and Christ esteemed are threatened by people and opinions who don't pay your bills, who don't pray for you, don't contribute to your greatness, don't practice unhitching your emotions from non-factors, Listen, you got to understand there will be people in your life. They don't pay your bills. Why do you let them make a difference? Why do you even consider it? He said, don't even listen. He said, why do you, why do you give people that? Why do you even give them the attention to break down your Christ's esteem that should be in you? Why? 
They don't pay your bills. They don't even pray for you. They'll say it, but they don't. They don't contribute to your greatness that God has called you to be. But this is what you have to do in the midst of someone like that or someone's like that. He said, unhitch your emotions because they are non-factor. Don't let one ounce I like to call it your Godfidence, not confidence, but your Godfidence. Be influenced or threatened by petty foolishness. Don't let it be affected by petty foolishness, because that's what's going to be in your ear. Do not let not one ounce, not an ounce of your Godfidence. That's your. Confidence is your Godfidence. That's what's getting you through. Do not let it influence or threaten you because it's petty foolishness. I don't care who it's coming from. And Twyla, this is for you. It's for every one of us, but I'm sending this especially out to you at this time. When you are persuaded by the enemy that God doesn't hear you. When you are persuaded by the enemy that your imperfect life is a sign of being abandoned by God. When the enemy tells you your victory should be easy. When the enemy tells you your weight should be shorter. Than what it is. When the enemy tell you your hope. And all of the spirit should be free of charge. When the enemy tells you that your temporary struggle is God punishing you. God said reread the Bible. And remind yourself. That there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. As long as you and I are humans, we're going to experience the realities of humanity. If we live long enough, we all are going to feel the realities of humanity. No matter how long we've been saved or how hard we pray. Understand this one thing. God didn't send your struggle. God equips you to win. Be victorious. And God said, surround yourself with people who can assist you along your journey. That's for all of us. See, we want to surround ourselves with the wrong people. But there's two ways to live this life and to walk off this faith, Church of the Living Water. Beloved, listen to me. There is a way to live out this life. Two ways. It's either truth or without truth. Those are the only ways to walk out your life. With truth 
or without truth. The truth we use decides how we live this life and walk out our faith. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. I couldn't sleep after that. Because God is real. And he's serious about his people. Be encouraged with it. Keep reading it. Read it again. Because all of us have enemies in different areas of our lives in different situations. And we need to remind ourselves. He said, reread the Bible. See, we're trying to figure out something. He said, no, no. Go back. Reread the Bible. I didn't give you the struggle. I want you to win. I've equipped you to win. I've given your body the equipment to win. To be victorious. But you also have to surround yourself with people that believe like you. You must. They'll assist you in that journey every time. When life starves you of your peace, when it, and it will come to starve you of your peace, Feed your soul. In these past few years, let me tell you, that has come up. The peace leads. But once you get in that word, it feeds your soul and you're right back on top. Because you're human. But this is something that we have to encourage ourselves with. Carry on after that and say, okay, Father, I got it. And everything that he said today, I, Father, I, I need to purify myself. I've missed it in this area. I've missed it in my thought life. I've missed it in so many areas, God, but I need to change. Because I see where, how I failed the test. But, Father, you've shown me in, in many different ways, Father, in all the teachings that we have. Father, I have to get it right. In every, and see, I'm teaching just one specific thing, but every teaching that's being taught, it's all to get you to a place. You've got to grab it. Hold it tight. And you might say, well, I don't know if this is for me. This is for you. See, a lot of times we think, because it's not happening right now, you will find out a month from now, a year from now, you'll be like, oh my God. You know, I was reading that the other day and I, I you know, I, I'd forgotten about it. You know what? I never forget about a word that God gives me because I already know sometimes it, it's not for just that very moment because remember, God always go before you and then he come back and give you the answer and it's for the future. Even the things that are, when he says something else is coming, I know that. I know what it's for. And see, I never let that get away from me. I don't care. Listen, I don't care what everybody's saying in the world and what scientists are saying and what this is saying and what this is. I got my finger on his pulse. Because everybody else is guesstimation. 
That's all they're doing. And they're, you know, whatever they think is going to happen. But they're mere men. But the almighty God will never miss. We'll never miss. We'll never miss. If we will just operate in these principles, no matter what, we will never miss. Oh, don't get, don't, don't be discouraged because we are not in no 5,000 seat auditorium. It would just be a 5,000 seat bill. Obligation. And I'm, let me tell you, no, we won't. Let me tell you, the word is great. I, I, let me tell you. Truth is taught here. No filters. Not doing anything to, to not not changing the word because of your giving. Your offering don't move us. Because you're giving to God, not to us. So none of that moves us. We're going to teach truth. It, it doesn't matter. We're not changing the word for you to stay. I'm telling you, that was a word. If you got nothing else this morning, get that. Make it work. Because it's something about the anointing. Something about the anointing. And guess what? It's not the anointing on my life because the same anointing on my life is on you. It's on you. It's a covering. And God... He will answer by fire. He will answer. All we have to do is stay within this word. And let me tell you, do not hear nobody that's talking anything outside of it. Like, no, God's word is true. I'm not getting mixed up in petty foolishness. Did you hear me? Don't get mixed up in petty foolishness. We're in too serious of a time, and you're in too serious of a time to be caught up in petty foolishness, gossip, childish stuff, things that don't make no sense, things that don't even have anything to do with the Word of God. You don't need any of that. You need to stay established in His Word. Your roots are there. It's grounded. Stay grounded. And watch God move. Just sit back and watch God move. Don't let the adversary know that you have an adversary and know that thought didn't come from you, that it's a mind game and it's a thought game. And he's like, that's the battlefield. And he'll tell you all kinds of things and you'll find, you'll think that you don't believe him, but yet you do. That's when you reread the Bible and say, Father, I'm only going to believe what you said. I'm only going to believe what you say, no matter what. What is commitment? No matter what. That's, that, that's one of the definitions of commitment. No matter what. I'm not changing. No matter what. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.